0: Welcome to the Miles Pike Podcast, a podcast that strives to foster excellence in gospel music both on the stage and in the local church through conversations. I'm your host, Miles Pike. I'm hoping to probe into the lives and minds of gospel artists, industry legends, and some frontline people on the worship scene. Guests include fellow artists, pastors, session players, producers, songwriters, comedians, radio personalities, and theologians. Subscribe to not miss an episode. Share on social media with the musicians, pastors, and music ministers in your life. And please rate and comment to help take us all the way to being able to say that dozens and dozens are listening. Thank you for taking time to join in on the conversation. Now on to the program. For the majority of my life, the Gospel Greats radio program has been a great influence and helped me get to know some of my favorite artists better. Not only was I a weekly listener, but at 15 years old, I had the opportunity to DJ at our local Christian radio station and host Solid Gospel Saturday on KBJS 90.3 FM, Jacksonville, Tyler Longview. (laughs) I haven't got to do that in a while. Part of that lineup was always the Gospel Greats. After more than four decades on the air, it remains the best known and most widely respected syndicated Southern Gospel music program of its type. It airs on major radio stations across the United States and Canada, as well as on Sirius XM satellite. It's an uplifting two hour program of music and music related news and features produced and hosted by radio personality Paul Heil an inductee into the prestigious Southern Gospel Music Hall of Fame. Interviews with the artists and songwriters are a trademark of this multi-award-winning program. The Gospel Greats program has, in fact, won more top industry and fan awards than any other syndicated Southern Gospel Music radio program in history. Paul Heil has been on the air for decades, and many know his voice, but it is rare to get a glimpse into his heart and mind. I was honored to be given that opportunity. However, unlike the other interviews you will hear on this program, Paul was not able to get on with me live. His rigorous schedule to churn out weekly episodes limited us in what was possible. I did send him the questions and he was kind enough to record his answers. Now, without further ado, I'm excited to give you a glimpse into the life of the man behind the mic, the one and only Paul Heil. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this interview. And uh, let me just start off with an obvious question, or at least it is for me. Uh, Your voice is very iconic in the gospel music field and on radios all over the country. Uh, Do you put that on, or is it just naturally your voice?
1: (laughs) Well, I suppose uh, over the years, uh, there has been some uh, improvement, I hope, uh i've always had i've never considered that i had a strong voice so back in my early days of radio back before the gospel greats program even i had to project i think more than uh, should be the case and uh, that projection probably continues to this day so uh, i just hope people can understand it and like so many Uh, issues involved here, Uh, as long as the voice doesn't detract from the message in the music and the message overall of the program, then it's probably doing its job. Well, my voice uh, changed at the
0: age of 12. Uh, now, when did the radio voice happen for you? Um, were, were your first words, uh, mama, Daddy"? You know, or uh, I, can, I can just see little Paul toddling around and mimicking uh, radio announcers.
1: Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. But I have always been um, intrigued by radio and TV, for that matter. And uh, that goes back to uh, indeed when I was uh, just a toddler I, I remember watching uh, uh, TV and listening to the radio. I was intrigued by some uh, now this goes way back and I'm dating myself here, but i I remember the old uh, radio soap operas, the old radio westerns, the Lone Ranger, and uh, those kind of things and the shadow the shadow knows and uh, it was it was fun so. I don't know, I I always enjoyed that, and I always enjoyed interfacing in that manner with broadcasting, radio and TV. It was just fascinating to me, and I think that was the Lord preparing me, preparing the interest in my mind for what I wound up doing.
0: Now, for those who may know your name or know the Gospel Greats program, but don't know your background, uh, tell us where you're from and how you got started four decades ago.
1: Well, I'm from the uh, Pennsylvania Dutch country of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and it seems like a very good place uh, to to be for the Gospel Greats program, because especially back in the early days and continuing to this time, for that matter, uh, promoters, when the concerts are going in their normal manner, uh, bring a lot of uh, Southern Gospel groups, the top groups, through our area and that enables me to interview them, and that's always been the case, especially starting out back in the 1980s. It was very necessary to do that because the programs back then were were formatically the very same kind of approach that we use today in terms of uh, interspersing interview material with the artists, with the music. So uh, that's how we got started, and uh the impetus behind all this i had been in radio news and tv news locally here but w- i always was intrigued by syndication and networking and uh, as the time went on uh i was looking for something that uh, might uh, might be able to uh engage that interest And my brother had a local group, a singing group, and he got the Singing News magazine and he showed me the top 40 chart. And I thought, wow, now this is an idea because there were top 40 countdowns in other forms of music, especially top 40 music. And uh, uh, I thought, well, Southern Gospel could use one of these. We'd always been uh, interested in Southern Gospel music. So uh, that that just uh, all came together in designing and doing uh, the kind of thing we're doing now. Well, did you grow up solely around gospel
0: music? Um, and were there any groups that were favorites of your family that you would go see often?
1: Well, my dad was a pastor, and uh, he, he was a singer. My mom was a singer in the local church. And uh, so we had... Again, a lot of uh, good concerts in the area. We'd go to see groups like the Couriers, who were just up the road in Harrisburg. We would hear the Blackwood Brothers. We would hear the Happy Goodman family and some of the big all-night sings that they used to have uh, in the area. And so uh, there's there's always been that background of, of gospel music that uh, was of, of special interest. You know, there's something special about southern gospel music and uh, i think it uh, came through and made an impact on this young fella.
0: Well did your family propel you into what you're doing now at all?
1: Well no not really. Uh, aside from the background uh, the interest was was mine. There was never any hey this is what you ought to do. This this would be a great thing to do. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. It was just a good solid biblical background again because my dad was a pastor. And uh, the music uh, was there all the time, too. And he had had LPs. He had the old LPs from the top groups of the day uh, in the house. And we listened to them on a regular basis. So it just sort of all rubbed off. Well, what would you, if you had to pinpoint it, what would you
0: identify as the opportunity or moment that catapulted you into the national market? Like, when was that?
1: Well, actually, since day one, uh, the Gospel Greats program has been a syndicated program. It was uh, promoted nationally uh, right from the, uh, the very beginning. I used to do a lot of uh, uh, direct mail advertising for some other things that I was doing. And so when I decided to start the Gospel Greats program, we just direct mail advertised to radio stations everywhere. And uh, that made it possible. the The funny part about all this is that it was on the air in other cities around the country on day one of the program, and it was not available <laughs> in my hometown. It was not available in Lancaster for at least half a year beyond the uh, the start. So uh, it it was national from uh, from day one, and of course in those early years. It just continued growing from a handful of stations up to uh, the the number that we have today.
0: On a short video uh, documentary that I found about the Gospel Greats program, uh, you said that you spend all of Monday, all of Tuesday, and all of Wednesday just putting the program together, but that doesn't include recording the interviews with the artists, which I have found is uh, pretty time-consuming. <laughs> Uh, It sounds like your week is very full, to say the least. What do you like to do in your free time?
1: (laughs) Well, there is not much free time, I'll tell you this. And uh, anymore, when I have a little free time, I like to rest. However, there are some things that I enjoy doing. And lately, what I've uh, been spending most of my time doing is uh, renovations at the house uh i just i enjoy the carpentry work i've been putting in new doors and painting and putting in new woodwork and molding and trim and and uh, those kind of things and it takes a long time to do these projects but i keep telling Sheila that uh, hey, you're you're getting a brand new house one room at a time so uh that's what i've enjoyed doing in my free time and also enjoy being around our grandkids, that is uh, that is a super wonderful <laughs> time for me, and of course for Sheila as well. And she takes uh, two days a week that she uh, babysits them, and for some reason on those days uh, I call it a half day at the office, and I go home early so I can, you know, help her out. So I I, I enjoy doing that, and it's uh, it's a wonderful opportunity.
0: Now, for me, after nearly 10 years of of marriage and ministry together, I know how priceless the role of a good wife is. Uh, Martha is my rock and truly makes what I do possible. Now, your wife, Sheila, actually helped me set up this interview, and I've had the pleasure of speaking with her many times over the years. Now, what are the things that she takes up in her role for the Gospel Greats program?
1: Well, lacking any particular title, we've always called her the uh, office manager. But uh, she does most of the contacting with the artists, setting up interviews and so forth, checking out when they're coming through the area to see if we can get together for an interview. Uh, Also, just maintaining the the, uh, contact with them that we uh, need in doing what we do. She also takes care of the correspondence, any correspondence that came in. Of course, that used to be <laughs> through the mail. Now it's mostly email, but nevertheless, she takes care of the uh, the correspondence, and she does uh, a lot of this. And we really, uh, re- oh, she also does station relations work. She's the one who takes care of working with the stations on non-technical issues. But she she works with stations and trying to find new stations for the program, and uh, that kind of thing. So she keeps very, very busy.
0: Is there a particular character trait or traits that you naturally have that makes you well-suited for this vocation?
1: Well, that's a hard one to answer. Um, I guess the solid biblical background that my dad uh, gave me because he was a pastor, and I sat under his preaching for all those many years as long as I can remember, and uh, I think that uh, that was a good background. Uh, Also, as far as vocationally though i think the news background uh that i had for 7 years i was news director at a local radio station and for 2 years i was news director at a local tv station and i think that news background comes through especially in the way not only that i do the headline update part of the program uh with the actuality and so forth uh, that i like to uh, include in the program that is the the brief audio clips of the newsmakers themselves, but also throughout the program in the way the audio material, the interview material is uh, is edited and, and uh, put into the program, uh, almost in a documentary style. Uh, I think that news background comes through. So in all of this, I can see how the Lord was just pushing me in the right direction to do what I'm doing now, giving me all the kinds of... Uh, Background, all the kind of experience that I need to do what I do now. And, of course, I'm very thankful to him for that. Now,
0: what is the trait that you've had to overcome to do it well?
1: Well, now, very few pe- that's an interesting question. Very few people remember that when I started the program, when I started the Gospel Grades program back in 1980, I was not the host. What I did was brought in Dave Colonian, from The Couriers. He was the bass singer for The Couriers. And I would uh, produce the program and write the script, and Dave would come down to the studio, to my studio, and and record the voice track of the program, and then I'd put it all together. And I felt at that time that I needed somebody who was known, who could uh, be a personality on the program, and so I brought him in to do that. And I think it was all a reluctance to put myself out front. But what happened then was that Dave was called into missionary work. And uh, after about eight months on the program, or maybe less than that, uh, he uh, had to leave and could no longer do it. So then I became the host. Of course, being behind the microphone was nothing new for me, but I just felt reluctant because... Uh, for a national audience, who in the world is Paul Heil? I mean, that's no, <laughs> that's nobody in particular. So uh, there was a reluctance on my part to put myself out front. However, uh, as uh, is always the case with what the Lord pushes you into, what doors he opens, it has worked out well.
0: Now, after 40 years, I'm sure it's hard to narrow it down. But what would you say is the most special episode that you've ever done?
1: Well, I oh, in 40 years, there are a lot of special epi- episodes, as you can imagine, but my favorite one, probably to this day, is our 20th anniversary edition, back 20 years ago. And for that program, now that was in the year 2000, February of 2000, the Cathedrals had just retired from the road. And for that program, George Ounce was my co-host for the anniversary edition. And what we did, we actually went out to his home in Stowe, Ohio, sat up in his sunroom there, and did the program, recorded the voice work for the program right there in his sunroom. And uh, that that was a a very special episode for me because, uh, of course, George Ounce is just, Oh, he was always a very special individual in so many different ways. Not only was he an outstanding bass singer and personality, which came through on stage, but he was also very, very real in what he did. He was very concerned about individuals. He had a heart for people, and I think that came through in what he did and who he was. And uh, so that probably remains my, my favorite episode that we've done.
0: Now, George Yance was a character known for telling stories. Uh, what would you say is your favorite uh, George Yance story?
1: Well, <laughs> my favorite story is what I just told. However, that's not what you mean, I think. My favorite story, his humorous story, the, the first one that comes to mind is the story about the plumber. And if you don't have that, you need to look it up. Uh, I think it's been on some uh, some of their live recordings from way back when. But uh, that's probably my favorite story that I can think of at the moment.
0: I have my own opinions about it, but people didn't tune in to hear my opinions. Uh, what do you think that the cathedrals possess that made them stand out during their era, but even now, two decades after their retirement?
1: Well, I guess I just touched on that. Really, the the genuineness, uh, their genuine love for people, and for the Lord, that they sang about, and uh, of course the talent, the gift of singing that they had was, uh, uh, well, that was that was very apparent to anyone who listened. But I think it went beyond that. I I think it was the interaction they had with people, their genuine love and interaction with people. And I think that's what made the uh, cathedrals very special. And yes, if I had to say, they remain my my favorite all-time group. Has there been
0: a moment in relation to the music industry that has disillusioned you or threatened to do so?
1: Well, not really, but uh, it's disheartening if I see someone who is not doing their best. Um. It's so important to do your best, always, in whatever you do. Of course, do unto the Lord, uh, as unto the Lord. And uh, that's so important. And, and anybody takes shortcuts um, instead of doing things in the best possible manner. That's a little disheartening, and I, I just am sorry when I see that happen. And fortunately, I don't see it happen very often.
0: Now, in your life, you've seen a transition from LPs to 8-tracks to cassettes to CDs, and now to digital and streaming. Um, How is where we are today a blessing and a curse?
1: Wow, that's a difficult question. Uh, The blessing, of course, of digital media is that uh, the quality has uh, come full circle from the scratchy old records of years ago to uh, absolutely faultless audio, uh, and also production techniques that become possible uh, uh, with the uh, digital revolution. However, that same that same blessing of being so easy to digitize music is also a curse because it's so easy to to copy. It's easy for people to pirate copies of, uh, of music. And we hear that all the time. And what uh, bothers me is that we hear from people who are very bold and saying, Yeah, I found this on YouTube. I just downloaded it. I don't have to buy it. Well, <laughs> they should listen to themselves. They have no idea how the artists in Southern Gospel Music earn their livings, and that's a little disillusioning to me, or, or discouraging, I guess would be a better word to me.
0: What have you seen artists doing to make the massive transition in music distribution work for them?
1: Well, I've seen uh, the artists who uh, who are putting out digital materials and uh, downloading, offering downloads of their, their music uh I guess they I guess they almost have been forced to do that but it is very difficult to earn a living when you're selling your your primary song for 99 cents or whatever it happens to be it's just it's just not a business model and so uh I don't know there's going to be a a shakeout I think in the uh, music industry because people can't just do this there is more Reliance on uh, the the concert work, which there always has been, um, but uh, but it's been decimated lately by uh, uh, problems with the uh, shutdowns, the lack of concerts at all, and uh, so it's uh, it's a very difficult situation for Southern gospel artists who rely on the uh, sales of uh, music. Uh, in a very large part, for the money they need to survive. How do you feel that the
0: fast-changing culture has affected the genre over the last decade?
1: Well, Southern gospel music, of course, has evolved partly because of the ability to uh, do things technically better, as uh, we discussed earlier. But um, it's necessary to hold on to its roots. And I think Southern gospel music has, has done that. But as long as they stay, as long as the artists, as long as those who produce the music stay true to the gospel message and include the gospel message in their songs and don't hide it behind catchy lyrics, as long as the gospel comes through, then it's okay.
0: One thing I want to accomplish with these interviews is to hopefully challenge artists and listeners in some different ways that you might not hear on other podcasts. Now, with decades of watching, listening, and learning, uh, what would you say is the greatest detriment to Southern Gospel music today? Or, Or more specifically, what do you feel is something that the Southern Gospel industry does to itself needlessly?
1: Well, I think one thing that the Southern Gospel music industry does to itself needlessly, and a lot of times it's the artists, particular artists involved, is to cater to the secular market in a way that uh, takes the gospel out of the music they're doing. And amazingly, this is often seen around Christmas time. I'm a little annoyed, <laughs> I confess, when I see Southern Gospel artists put out a Christmas recording that is at least two-thirds secular Christmas songs. Now, yes, they might be very popular Christmas songs, and they might be songs that we all enjoy, but they're not gospel. And I think it's a terrible waste of an opportunity if these people, uh, these artists, do these kind of songs and don't include The gospel message. There is no time of year when the gospel message can get out there more overtly than during the Christmas season. So that's just a a pet peeve of mine. But in general terms, stay true to the gospel. We need to stay true to the gospel. We need to get the gospel out there. Now,
0: Southern gospel fans are some of the most dyed-in-the-wool fans that exist in any genre that I know. And you yourself talk about it being the best music this side of heaven, and I believe you believe it. Aside from the obvious gospel content that is joyful and energetic, what about it produces such die-hard enthusiasts?
1: Well, when you're talking about the gospel, I think it touches lives. Uh, the music, the message in the music touches lives. I always say the greatest songs about the greatest message, the gospel. And that's what it is. The gospel message, if it's presented in a in a cogent way, touches lives. It's like hymns. Some of the old hymns, even today, you know, you, you're, you're thinking about a particular situation in your life and the words to an old hymn come back to you. That's the way it is with southern gospel music. We hear all the time from people who write in and say, this particular song or that particular song touched me in a very special way, and here's why. And that is wonderful. That is the whole bottom line here of putting out Southern gospel music because the gospel has an impact. The gospel is powerful. The Word of God is powerful like a two-edged sword, the Bible says. So you don't forget that kind of relationship that you have with the music and with, of course, the message in the music.
0: I could probably do the math, but I failed math more times than I can count. (laughs) Uh, How many episodes of the program have you done in 40 years?
1: Well, the anniversary program, uh, was program number 2099. So that's 40 years. So as, as of now, it's well over 2,100 programs that we've done in those uh, 40 years and, uh, That just boggles my mind when I think about it.
0: Now, if someone wants to tune in to hear the Gospel Greats program but doesn't have access to a radio station where it's in the format, uh, where can they listen?
1: Well, on our website, we have what we call a station finder. First, you go to www.thegospelgreats.com. That's our website. And up in the upper left-hand corner of most pages... There's something that says Station Finder, sort of a red button there. And if you click on that, you put in your uh, zip code, and it tells you if there's any station within about 50 miles of where you are that you can listen to. But you can also, if that doesn't work, if there's no station nearby, you can uh, click on the link on those pages over on the left side that says Listen on the Web. And that takes you to a page that uh, outlines for you all the stations that have our program on, which uh, broadcast on the Internet. And so you can actually listen there. And, of course, it's on uh, Sirius XM as well.
0: The name Paul High will already be remembered by fans of Southern Gospel Music. and, And, Lord willing, you may be doing this another decade or more. But when you retire or are called home, what do you want people to say about you?
1: Wow. Well, that's pretty basic. I would want people to say about me, he loved and served the Lord to the best of his ability according to the gift he was given. And what more can you say?
0: Now, I always want to close out these podcasts with a burst of random topics. And so here's the lightning round. Uh, Who is your favorite gospel artist?
1: Well, I think we've talked about this, the cathedrals, no doubt about it.
0: Favorite gospel song?
1: You know, I've always loved a song from many years ago called, He's a Personal Savior. And I think that sort of sums up the way any Christian thinks about Jesus.
0: Your most influential person?
1: Well, I'd have to mention two, my mom and my dad, both of whom are in heaven now, but uh, they certainly... Had the greatest influence on my life, uh, among people I've lived with uh, in, this, in this life.
0: Best place you've ever eaten.
1: <laughs> well, if you come to the Pennsylvania Dutch country around Lancaster, you've got to go to Shady Maple Smorgasbord. They have a, a smorgasbord buffet there that's a football field in length. It is absolutely amazing.
0: It finally happened. You have been crowned ruler of the world for a week. What is your first command?
1: Wow, that's that's a big question. But, well, let's go back to Deuteronomy 4.29, believe it or not, the first rule and probably the only one that would really be needed. It says, Seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. If that were done, all of the world's other problems would be solved.
0: Well, Paul, knowing how busy your schedule is, I'm uh, even more honored that you would take time out of your busy week to come on this fledgling podcast and uh, favor us with an interview. I know it's been informative and uh, and just very interesting to get glimpses into your life and uh, anyway, I hope one day we can uh, we can actually meet in person. Uh, COVID nineteen has prevented that uh, from happening this time around. But uh, thank you so much uh, for your time, and I know the listeners appreciate it as well.
1: Miles, I've really appreciated this. It's made me think about some things too, and uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity you've given me to share these with folks. And as I always say, keep looking up.
0: Well, I hope that you enjoyed this time that we spent together. I know that I have, and I pray that it has made you more appreciate the forms and functions of worship and the gifted people who help facilitate it. Continue the conversation by emailing any questions or suggestions you may have through my website at www.milespikemusic.com That's M-I-L-E-S-P-I-K-E music.com Support this endeavor by rating, reviewing, and sharing. If you want to go the extra mile, then I would greatly appreciate it if you purchase some digital downloads or hard copies of my music through the website and patronize our guest in any way that you can. Websites and details to that end will be in the show notes. This program plans to release every other week, so keep your eye out for the next edition of the Miles Pike Podcast. Till next time, worship wisely.